African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we bring you the African perspective. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama, for this next hour until the midday Central African time. You on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's our shortwave service. And don't forget that you can also listen to us on our audio bouquet channel on DSTV. It's channel 802. And you can stream us live on www.channel. Africa.co.za. Well, today we're going to look at a very optimistic story, which is East Africa. It has been an optimistic. regional bloc for a long time economically for the continent. According to a report conducted by Ecobank's research team, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda are East Africa's economic powerhouses. According to the report, these countries are enjoying a period of significant economic growth with their gross domestic products forecast to grow by between 5.2% and 8 this year. That's remarkable when you contrast it with us here in the Sadek region. We're not doing that great. Much of the region, we were talking about East Africa here, is reliant on agricultural crops and commodities for export earnings. Some further findings are that Kenya, with its diversified commodity exports, which include tea, horticultural goods and coffee, has started producing crude oil, and Ethiopia is benefiting from strong foreign direct investment in in an infrastructure uh, that's interesting and also industrial projects among other things we've got Gaiman Nonyan who's joining us on the line who is a part of the company that's conducted this report she's the head of the economic research at EcoBank uh, thank you for joining us Gaiman and uh, let's see if we've got Faith Mabera on the line a researcher at the Institute for Global Dialogue are we clear for you there Faith? Thank you for having me. Fantastic. You sound great. And in our studio, we have the consultant on African business development and also author of Africa is Open to Business, uh, Victor Humueswana, joining us in our studio. Gaiman, let's start with you in terms of the optimism we're seeing in Ethiopia in terms of uh, the the strengthening of uh, the the economies there. What is actually creating this drive? I'm sure it's a very unique story for each country. Parts of the region to, 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 to help to create, um, to, to create opportunities. 
Is it because we're seeing a more diversified commodity of exports in this particular region? Is that their strength? which had devastating effects on the economy. But now we've seen improved rainfall conditions, um, which to a great extent, as we know, the, the region is agriculture, depends a lot on agriculture. This sure. has helped to um, improve um, crop production. And at the same time, we've seen a slowdown in inflation. So that's boosting investor confidence because that helps um, um, for offshore investors who are interested in the, the, the yields in, in securities. Um, um, offered by 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 the region, um, we've, we've seen a very strong interest in that area. In fact, Kenya is the only economy um, in the region where we've seen the exchange rate appreciate um, so far year to date, unlike other other um, countries in the African region. Sure. Let me move the conversation to you, Faith. Does this actually surprise you to see this growth in East Africa, especially when here in the SADC region we're struggling and also other parts of the African continent, we're a little bit slow when it comes to our economic growth currently. Um, it's it's uh, so like uh, the previous speaker mentioned, it's not um, that surprising mm-hmm. given the just the convergence of factors in the East African region. I mean, she's mentioned um, the fact that um, there's, there's growth resulting from, instance, something like very strong private consumption, uh, very, very strong investment in infrastructure, um, you know, the, the resurgence from good rainfall pa- patterns for a region that's heavily dependent also on agriculture. So that's, that's just one aspect of it, the convergence of very favorable um, Factors, but also um, I think we also have to consider the fact that um, in the East African region, we've seen it. We've seen it coming up as a, a leader in um, fintech technology. Sure. Um, yes, um, that's also something that's contributed uh, largely to. To, to growth, but also overall um, a very good story in terms of the the, the regional integration um, element of it, because um, um, in terms of, of leading the, the integration momentum, mm. um, a lot of case studies um, hail the, the East African region for, for leaping in uh, bounds ahead of, of the other um, um, regional economic communities um, in, in, in Africa. So that's also the, the other element of it, just the harmonization of factors. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at this aspect in, 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 in sync and, and together as a lump sum, then the story of growth doesn't become that surprising. Sure. Victor, coming to you, the last time we spoke, our focus was in a country such as Rwanda, and we were talking about its uh, ICT infrastructure and how it's actually creating a space where it's further entrenching its strength when it comes to its infrastructural development. But what's fascinating about East Africa, it's its diversity in terms of focus. I'm looking at this um, research. It's, it's highlighting Kenya has a diversified commodity exports focusing on teas and 
and it's coffees. Uh, you look at a country like in Ethiopia, it's foreign direct investment is in infrastructure and industrial uh, projects. And also you've seen that uh, uh, coffee and gold exports also aiding its uh, uh, its growth, uh, transport and construction, mining, tourism and commercial services in Tanzania. So it's very interesting to see all these countries have a different kind of mix when it comes to why the economies are so strong. Well, good morning, by the way, to Carmen and to Faith. But, sure. but here's the deal with East Africa, apart from the fact that it's not too vast. You know, ECOWAS has about, what, 15 countries? Sure, sure. East Africa has much fewer. The similarities between the countries are a lot more in the sense that, for example, the major economies, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, all speak English in mm. a way. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier. Mm. They are closer to China and to India, which mm. are big traders or investors on the African continent, much closer to even Middle East, which is a bigger investor. But apart from the valid points that Faith and Gam mentioned, I want to emphasize the leadership. If, mm. uh, if you look at the countries of East Africa, Tanzania, John Magufuli, mm. brilliant in his 50s, making things happen there, cracking down on corruption, mm. getting the diversification of the economy going. Because yeah. remember, they are a mining economy, they are a tourism economy, they are a, they are a petroleum economy, they are, they are just about yeah, yeah, everything. It's, it's fantastic. But I think the leadership of John Magufuli mm. in cracking down on corruption and making sure that there's good governance, making sure they redirect the spending of government to the right things. Paul Kagame, controversial in many respects, <laughs> but one thing you can't take away from him is mm. he has led that country from 1994 with an iron hand, but he has led them in the right direction. Mm. Only last week, Volkswagen opened a plant. There's mm. only number five on the African continent, mm. joining South Africa, Algeria, Nigeria, I can't remember the, the, the fourth country. But what I mean is, you have leadership of those two countries, and then Kenya, although they had problems of Raila Odinga installing himself as the parallel president, I think the Kenyans will one day look back and realize what a great leader Uhuru Kenyatta with all his faults was. Because what he did when he took over, he continued the momentum of the ICT revolution. He made sure that whatever had been started before he came in, he sustained. And although he has problems, they are still... But the bigger, even more exciting story, Benjamin is Ethiopia. 41-year-old Abey Ahmed coming in as prime minister, again maintaining the hydroelectric power project that had been started by by uh, Meles Zenawi, the, the late prime minister. But most of all, the, the biggest, biggest credit I give to Pres uh, Prime Minister Ahmed is that he has opened talks between Ethiopia and Eritrea. That Eritrea has almost paralyzed, had paralyzed the Horn of Africa. He has opened talks with Somalia to make sure that region becomes integrated. Now, if you consider how big Ethiopia is with more than 100 million people, and the fact that it was doing as well as it was doing with only one gateway effectively to the sea, being Djibouti, opening talks with Eritrea, building those neighborly relations, making sure that Somalia stabilizes Nobody's going to be able to catch that region. Very interesting. I, I want to come back to you, Guy, in terms of your thoughts of what was highlighted there by Victor in terms of that uh, political leadership that seems to be really directing things in a certain direction when it comes to these economies in East Africa. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Sorry, I agree with him um, a lot because... Um, 
if if it had not been for that, then because if we compare to last year before um, after the before the the election, mm. um, Kenya, a country like Kenya, suffered a lot um, in terms of political risk premium. Um, we saw the currency, um, although there wasn't a run on it, but it wasn't stable and it wasn't as strong as it is today. And then um, had Kenya gone to the market to issue euro bonds then, um, I think they would not have been seven times oversubscribed as they are today. Mm. Um, the latest um, euro bond that they issued this year, um, they're the only country in Africa that had that had a euro bond that was seven times oversubscribed, the highest ever among even more than Egypt, you know, sure. um, which is relatively more perceived to be more developed. Um, so, so this to me just highlights the confidence that investors uh, have, um, have built in, in a country like Kenya post-election because they're now more confident about it and to the point that the currency has really strengthened um, about 3% year to date. It's, it simply highlights how much how much mm. confidence investors have, it. and and for that reason they will continue to put in their money into Kenya, beat FDI, beat in um, portfolio investments, uh, um, and and it shows a lot about the leadership as well, their confidence in the current leadership. Well, we'll come to faith. Uh, we need to take a quick break. It's 11.20 Central African time. Today we're looking at a very positive story of uh, the continent, which is East Africa, which is becoming not just uh, a powerhouse for itself, but also for the continent as a whole. What lessons uh, can the rest of the continent actually learn from East Africa? I know that we still have challenges in countries such as Burundi. We know that South Sudan is still a challenge from a political perspective. Uh, what can be done in that regard to remedy uh, the situation in the region to make sure also uh, those two countries complement what's happening in the countries that we've mentioned, such as Uganda, uh, uh, Tanzania, Ethiopia, and Kenya. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. South Africans must learn to live together. Yes, we can. And resolve our differences peacefully. Yes, we can. Alternatively, the future is very tough. Africa's future is up to Africans. I say this knowing full well the tragic past that has sometimes haunted this part of the world. After all, I have the blood of Africa within me. Join Channel Africa on the 17th of July 2018 as we bring you live coverage of the 16th Nelson Mandela Annual Lecture delivered by the former U.S. President Barack Obama. Channel Africa, the African Perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue from Monday to Thursday. I have the opportunity to have uh, uh, real experts and also ordinary people, Africans, have a conversation with them, really honor the pertinent issues on the African continent. Everything goes from social issues to economy to politics. It's a very uh, versatile uh, choice of topics that we have. And today we're looking at uh, the upbeat mode of the economy of East Africa. Uh, let me come to Guy Manonyane, who, if you're just joining us, is the head of the economic research at EcoBank. And also we've got uh, Victor Humeswana, who is the consultant on African business development, also an author of Africa is Open to Business. Joining us on the line as well is senior researcher at the Institute for Global Dialogue, and that's Faith Mabera. Let me come to you, um, 
Gaiman, in terms of looking at this issue of the two other countries that are really struggling, I highlighted the fact that South Sudan is one that still has some political issues that are still resolved. We know there's a, a stalemate in that country when it comes to the political issues. There's still a struggle with Salva Kiir and just governance in that country in terms of the civil conflict that is happening in the country. When you look at Burundi, it's also fragile politically. When you look at those countries, do they actually affect the region or the confidence in the region from an investment perspective? Yeah, um, but I would say to some extent, not a very large extent because they're not regional heavyweights. The regional heavyweights are Kenya, Ethiopia, and to some extent Rwanda. Um, they, they continue to drive growth in that region. And so if anything um, is destabilizing in such markets, it, it would uh, um, just have a ripple effect across the entire region. Yet South Sudan, I would say um, to some extent, um, because it is still part of the, the region, um, but this is an ongoing conflict. It's been there since ever since the country was born uh, um, some years back. And um, so, and it's largely dependent on oil. So we know that the combination of political instability and oil shocks, um, I think investors are already aware of that, that this is an issue that um, will remain very challenging. So if if that's the case, let's just divert our resources to other markets where we know Mm. that um, they're more diversified, there's um, improved governance, there's political stability. So as much as um, it affects the region, I don't think it's to a very large extent. The same goes for Burundi as well. Um, these are smaller economies, and um, they not seem to be the the main countries driving um, growth in the re- into the region in in the region. So mm. I think for that reason, um, I won't be as concerned that sure. they will uh, um, reduce some. Um, Prospect significance. Well, Gaiman, uh, it seems like Victor's shaking his head here in studio. No, I'm not sure if he's in agreement. No, no, not shaking my head. But what I'm saying is, if you think about Sudan and the significance of its oil gain sure. to to Sudan, remember, I think stats say more than 65 percent of the oil that Sudan was producing before the split or before the independence of South Sudan came from South Sudan. So if you think of it in that context then, and the, the geopolitical tensions that instability in South Sudan threatens, uh, then you look at it as a much bigger issue. But even think about South Sudan flowing into Uganda, which mm. has a border with another country that has been giving us instability mm. in that East African Great mm. Lake, Great Lake Central African mm. region. I'm talking about the DRC. Mm. If you consider what the DRC does, and and then the the spillover effects then are much more significant maybe than we might give them credit for because Mm. it's not entirely the country that's an issue. It's the countries that that country shares a border Mm. with. Mm. So if you look at South Sudan sharing a border with Sudan in the north, sharing a border to an extent with Ethiopia, sharing a border with Uganda to the south, and then affecting, as you say, the Great Lakes region, then instability there destabilizes Ethiopia, destabilizes Sudan in the north and and Uganda, which affects the entire East African region, and Mm. then it compounds what is happening in the Central African region, because that's Mm. what rebels do, Mm. or people who profiteer of rebellion or geopolitical Mm. tensions. So I agree they are not major economies, but 
those just two factors I think we, mm. we mustn't overlook. Faith, your thoughts? Um, um, I think the, the question of just the fragile um, uh, states in, that, in the Eastern African region, um, I agree with the... Victor, that there is um, the, the the risk of regional spillover effects, which have um, a somewhat um, percentage of of just a dent on the overall um, um, growth in the region. But as to the the extent of which this fragile um, or risk or states affect um, the overall growth is, is a matter of what he was mentioning. So the the the, the, the current trade connections, whether for instance they will affect um, infrastructure issues like the trade corridors, um, mm. for instance, and the larger um, project to make uh, a trade and movement of goods um, a bit seamless um, in the region. So to that extent, then the the, the effect that they have overall is, is not one to to be ignored. And when we contrast uh, this uh, to other regions, staying with you, Faith, clearly East Africa is a lesson for other regions. Um, What should we be drawing from when it comes to East Africa? What should other regions on the African continent, I mean, when you look at SADC, when it comes to even our GDP collectively, we're not doing that well in terms of growth. And uh, when you look at West Africa as well, it's got some frag- it's very fragmented economically in terms of uh, just its its growth as well. What are your thoughts that how we can actually draw strength from East Africa? What lessons can these other regions actually get from uh, the bloc? So I think first of all, the the the, the first story that we or the, the bigger narrative that we fetch from from the the East African case is the question of. Um, long-term macroeconomic stability and the fact that in as much as we record a good story from, from the region, there's still um, a lot to be learned and a lot to glean for the for the broader um, continent. So for instance, the question of, of is, is, the, is the growth that we're seeing um, accompanied by, by structural transformation, is the growth more inclusive, for instance? Um, does it in, that we see, for instance, uh, an increase in, in, in job or is it just jobless um, um, growth? Are we seeing structural transformation that actually broaden the the growth uh, base? Is there decreased debt sustainability, for instance? So those are the questions that we need to glean. But I think overall, um, the the larger policy implications, are, like I mentioned, um, and I'm still very insistent is the question of regional integration and the kind of yeah. of patterns of um, amity that we've seen in. The, the, the Eastern African region has contributed largely to that. But um, also the, the larger question of, I just think, issues like domestic resource uh, mobilization is, is another um, aspect. The, the, the question of, of mm-hmm. the benefits of infrastructure um, investment also and, and leveraging private investment where, where possible. The idea of um, also um, uh, managing tax revenue obviously as a percentage of GDP is something that also needs to be to be increased by rationalizing um, the efficiency of something like public spending and, and stricter financial uh, management for instance so those I think are just some of the things that we we have to have a more nuanced perspective sure. on just the growth that's actually happening in the Eastern African region we'll come back to that point of regional integration I know that that's a big discussion taking place at the African Union the Mauritania uh, for the summit and the big discussion is the continental free trade area uh, conversation which is the one that's still big currently and is a project still underway but coming from the the lessons conversation Victor what are your thoughts on that integration to me 
it's a tragedy that Africa is still suffering so much because of the divisions that were not of its own making. The, the 55 states that we have were not are not African creations, mm. right? They were created at the Berlin Conference. It was a colonial agenda. How do we strip Africa of its resources and how do we share the resources amongst ourselves? These were the powers that were the Berlin Conference. And there's nothing wrong. They were doing what's good for them at the time. And I'm not disrespecting the sovereign states of Africa, but I think the advantages we derive from the perpetuative sovereignty are by far insignificant compared to the advantages of an integrated region. Remember that stats suggest that we are still trading less than 20% amongst ourselves. So mm. for every $100 of trade that takes place in Africa, mm. only I'm being I'm being generous. Mm. At least only twenty twenty dollars would be among African countries. Mm. Now that's tragic if you consider we have over a billion people then. Because China is controlling the world economy partly because it has the numbers and mm. it, because it's a it's a target market for lots of multinationals when they produce it ends up being able to negotiate better deals for itself. It doesn't have as many minerals as Africa does, but it's mm. able to come into Africa, structure private, public-private partnerships that enable it to take as much resources as it wants out of Africa because they can build a school here, build a railroad there, build a port there. Mm. Things that I believe African countries could build themselves without taking any loan from anywhere. Because if you have all these minerals that the world wants, and and Gaiman will tell me she's a banker. She, you should be able to leverage the resources you have and build all the infrastructure you need, mm. and by so doing, foster that intra-Africa trade mm. that will make us independent, and secondly, able to call the shots a lot better when we go to places like United Nations. And at the at the moment, we remain minnows in spite mm. of the fact that we have abundant resources and we have the numbers. Kamen, what are your thoughts uh, to, to that? Because that's a very interesting conversation that we keep having on the show, and the re- reoccurrence of that is mm. of of that particular topic is interesting. The issue especially, of intra-trade, especially mm. uh, Benjamin, before she comes mm. in, especially mm. because after all, these sovereign states mm. often, when their presidents are about to die, they have to go to another country mm. for medical treatment. Which means mm. you're saying you are a sovereign state, mm. but you can't even build a hospital fit mm. enough to treat you as the head of state. So it's mm. it's bogus. Uh, Sure. So let's look at that that conversation of intra-trade versus foreign investment. That's a big conversation on the African continent. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think the gentleman is, is very, I mean, he hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's really important to have, um, to promote regional integration because if not, we continue to be price takers instead of price makers. And um, if you look at um, some of these markets in Africa, they, they, they constitute one of the largest exports of certain minerals or um, soft commodities, like um, Côte d'Ivoire, which produces, um, uh, it's one of the largest exports of cocoa, Kenya, tea. I mean, if, if we continue the, the rate at which we're going now, we'll being price takers, will forever be in a position of disadvantage. So, but I think, first of all, it starts on governance. You know, when you have strong leadership, as um, the gentleman mentioned earlier, um, I think everything cascades from that. If you have a government that is a leadership that is really strong, that it puts um, the country first um, rather than other self-interest, then 
it goes a long way to help to promote uh, um, to, to promote a robust institution and for you to be taken seriously um, in, in when you you go to international meetings. And um, and we have the Africa CFTA, uh, which is a bold statement of ambition. Of course, we also have um, the One Belt One Road with China. Mm. But I think African leaders need to find a way whereby they can take these opportunities from these these areas. We know that South Africa and Nigeria have not signed up to it. But I think there's a way that if we can promote regional uh, um, trade, you know, and try to trade amongst ourselves because there's so much we can offer each other, um, then I think that helps to to boost our our importance in the global economy. Hmm. Let's come back to this issue of the Africa Continental Free Trade Area Pact that could actually cement that kind of synergizing uh, the the intra-trade uh, faith. Uh, do you think that, that that's where we should be going, thinking around uh, free trade? Uh, is that the direction that could actually stimulate African economies? Yes. Um, so um, <clears throat> the research obviously has shown that um, economic and social integration, you know, as are key drivers for, for growth and development and mm. this notion of also connectedness, um, the issue of, of uh, uh, carving out the borders um, and economic diversification, um, also the benefit that it would have in the idea of boosting mm. um, um, competitiveness of, of, of um, the African uh, um, region um, as a continent in that case. But um, I think the, the, the idea now of the African continental free trade area, we yet to see because, I mean, it's only recently that um, um, South Africa and Nigeria, who are also key um, economies in terms of, of, of the, the economic giants, mm. there was that initial um, apprehension on, on, their, on their part to actually sign the agreement. You've only seen that realization happening months later. Mm. So it's this kind of um, start and stop um, initiatives by, by some of the, the, the key players on the continent, the kind of apprehension that we saw. So those, those are just some, I think, of the obstacles um, towards the greater um, um, reform and, 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 and um, the project towards um, um, continental um, integration. But, I, I mean, the, the, it's undeniable what the research shows. It's just a, a matter of now practical implementation um, thereof. That, that's, that's the issue um, at play here. Mm. I mean, in, in that context of what we were highlighting earlier on, we know we've got countries such as China uh, that have a huge, or rather they want a huge stake in Africa's uh, infrastructure uh, project. And also we have externals that also contribute to uh, Africa's economy, such as the United States. We know Russia slowly, slowly but surely is starting to show its face on the African continent as an interest. Um, how do these external powers inform our economies and which direction we could be taking because sometimes they actually do steer us away from this inter-trade agenda that we want to pursue. Yeah, well, I think um, in, in terms of China, it's trying to improve um, governance so that and leadership such that we they, they see us more as partners rather than um, just um, a, a place that you can come in and just pump your money and bring in your 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 workers from abroad and there's no transfer of um, of, of skills you know nothing like that we have to 
leaders have to be more proactive um, when they negotiate with um, the Chinese investors that we need partnership, equal partnerships. So yes, you're bringing in your money, but um, it's a loan, you know. So it's backed by either oil or other uh, uh, um, commodities, receipts that we can, will use to repay the loan. But I think you need, that's the starting point, that it should be equal partnership. And, and I think we, Africa can take advantage of the one belt, one road. It, it presents a huge opportunity um, to the continent because this is the millions, billions of, of funds that China is willing to invest around the world. Um, to boost infrastructure, you know, and um, that is something we can, uh, if African leaders can take advantage of to promote um, interregional trade as well as global trade. Victor, your thoughts there, especially on the superpower dynamic when it comes to um, the conversation of uh, neoliberalism and what's happening currently in the Africa's economy. Yeah, is right. Until we learn to, to state our case, and command respect because we are in charge of our own affairs we will move from having been manipulated by the west to now be manipulated by our BRICS partners BRICS to me is is of no consequence because it's just a group of countries they, they didn't even create themselves as BRICS so China will do what's good for China Russia will do what's good for Russia and Brazil will do what's good for Brazil what is Africa doing that's good for itself and if South Africa is the only force among the BRICS nations, then it should see its role and take it a lot more seriously and understand that it's leading a bigger, much more important geography than just itself. But even as we speak, I can't say I know for sure what South Africa's agenda when it goes to BRICS is regarding the entire continent. I see, I hear them talking almost as if they are desperate to belong to this league of big countries, which are much, much bigger than it in every respect, except maybe that we might be ahead of some of these countries in terms of transparency, corruption, perception, but that means nothing. Countries that are growing are going to do so. Eventually, they will clean up their act, but we should be prioritizing this geography, the, 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 the youth dividend, what is the democratic democratic. Demographic yeah, dividend demographic. that we keep talking yeah. about. Yeah. We have a young generation. We have all these resources, which means we could bargain a lot more aggressively. But because we are going in as individual countries, we forget that Brazil is never going to stop and say what is in the interest of Africa. They are in BRICS because they were told, hey, you could make some mileage for yourself by doing this. It's up to us to make sure that we do that. Otherwise, I can tell you where we had the UK colonizing us, we're just going to have Brazil or China or, mm. or Russia. And, and they're already showing mm. because Russia nearly forced us into a nuclear deal that mm. we didn't need. Mm. China is doing a whole lot of things across Africa, signing all kinds of deals and all they're doing. In the end, if you look at it, it's saying resources to China. Mm. India is coming in, of course, investing in its own right, but everybody is serving their own interests, and there's nothing wrong in serving your own interest in economic development. It's mm. up to us to smart, to be smart and say what's good for us. But mm. we can't do it as South Africa because South Africa is supposed to be the African chapter mm. of BRICS.
Well, we're going to wrap it there. I think uh, the conversation was also broadening it itself to the rest of the continent. But thank you to our guests for giving us their views on the upbeat mode and the resilience of uh, uh, the economies of East Africa. Uh, thank you to Gaiman Nonyan who's joining us on the line, the head of the Economic Research Division at EcoBank. And also thank you to Faith Mabera also joining us on the line from the Institute for Global Dialogue a senior researcher there and uh, we've got the consultant on African business development thank you once again for joining us here on Channel Africa always uh, enjoy his insights he's also the author of Africa is open to business that's uh, Victor Homeswana that's how we wrap up the show today let's have a little bit of music thank you to our guests for giving us their time we really appreciate it we'll podcast the program make sure that you also can actually digest uh, some of the factors uh, that we highlight highlighted on the show right now but let's have some music uh, this one is titled Imali Yamalobolo by Afro Traction and just uh, after that we'll get our business news and thereafter we'll get our sports Now, 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 
Kujaba ya minawe Ngiyeza gini Mbona nifia Mbufiga na pakiti Mbufiga gini dale Baby Nisole timbali Timbali ya manu 